0: Attending HBCU schools, for some, was not a choice. It was the only alternative that a lot of us had. I know what Horace Gillum went through. I know what Marlon Briscoe went through. I know what Dave Lewis went through. I know what Dave Mays went through. Those are men who punted in the league before I got there, but I was determined that I was not going to let someone else's thought shape my dream.
1: What is up Vikings fans welcome to episode number 102 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast this is Chris Corso and this week the show's a little bit different there's no Gabe Henderson he's on vacation Jay Nelson also out of the office so I bring in some pretty good reinforcements in Tatum Everett the Vikings Entertainment Network's newest employee and of course Lindsay Young and one of our producers who's done a ton of work on this very show, B. raj Brian Rogers joins the show. So I'll let Tatum kick it off. How was your uh, first couple of weeks here with the Vikings organization?
2: Well, thanks Chris for having us, but pretty good replacements. I'd say we're pretty awesome.
1: I pretty aw- <laughs> I, I, I don't think I was as, I should have been more <laughs> excited. Like I am so excited to have just to have you guys on the show today. We have, such a good show prepared. Do, yes. I'm so excited, but
2: <laughs> I'm just hated. giving you a hard time. Dude, no you worries. Know,
1: you know how excited I am to have you on the show.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, it's been so great to be here in Minnesota and covering the Vikings the last couple of weeks with the end of mini camp. And now, you know, training camp tickets are on sale right now. We are there live Vikings dot com slash training camp. And you can get everything you need from there. Fourteen practices that will be open like 40,000 I think some odd free tickets so you got to scoop them up and and with all that excitement and buzz surrounding the team um, I'm just really excited to be here
1: we have a jam-packed show today we're going to talk about the player with the most approved at Vikings training camp all four of us have our picks there's there's a couple uh I I guess Tatum has a little curveball in there might be more (laughs) than player. I I love it I love that I don't Um, like
2: to follow the rules
1: yeah I love that uh, we also have a great guest today. He was a uh, one of the most motivational speakers, impactful speakers, surrounding the Vikings organization. It's punter Greg Coleman, who recently got one of the most prestigious awards and was inducted into the Black College Football Hall of Fame. So really excited uh, to get him on the show later. But with that, I'm going straight to Lindsey. Who is your player that you are most excited for That has a lot to prove at Vikings training camp coming up here.
3: Gotta love kicking it off. Um, it was hard for me to come up with to narrow it down to one person, just because I think there are some new players that I'm really excited about, um, some some veteran guys, of course, that I want to see what they can do, or even some players coming back from injury. But the guy that I decided to go with is defensive end Jalen Holmes, um, and for a couple of reasons, I'm really excited to see what he does during training camp this this uh, summer. You know, he has mainly played on a rotational basis since being drafted here to Minnesota. But last season, he really had an opportunity um, to to make starts. He was able to start nine of 14 games. Um, As we all know, Daniil Hunter was out last year with that neck injury. um, And Stephen Weatherly, who had been starting, he spent a season with the Panthers, and now he's back in Minnesota. So it was really fun to see Jalen kind of come into his own a little bit, to have more of an opportunity to make that statement. Um, He did have career-high numbers last season, um, as you can imagine, with him making those starts. So he had 36 tackles, two passes, defensed, two tackles for loss. And he also was credited with four quarterback hits. Um, But I think, you know, it's fair to say that the defensive line unit as a whole last year did struggle a little bit in the pass rush. Um, The group only had 23 sacks last season. And I know that's something that that coach Zimmer wants to see really improve. And so I think going into training camp, what I'm excited about is just watching this D line group and, you know, Watching for Jalen to take that another step forward. Um, there's going to be a lot of competition, I think. You obviously have, have Stephen Weatherly back. Daniil is back, which is fantastic. Um, we drafted two defensive ends this, this year with Patrick Jones, uh, the second, and Janaris Robinson. Um, and then you even have guys like DJ Wanham, who was a rookie last year, um, or Kenny Willicks, who was a rookie, but ended up being on IR. And so there's just a lot of names there. And so I think that um, Jalen has a really big opportunity in front of him. And I'm just hoping that we can see him make the most of that.
1: Yeah. Lindsay. you hear coach Zimmer mention his name in the press conference last week. I mean, that's, that's something to, when you hear him say Jalen Holmes, I mean, that's clearly one of the players he's looking at. And I love that you bring up all the guys that are, that have been added, the guys who missed last year, obviously number 99 on one side, when you have him on one side, I feel like it's only going to benefit a guy like Jalen Holmes this year. So um, I like how you frame that as a positive rather than maybe he might miss a few reps here and there, but I really like that one. Um I'm going over to you, Tatum. What do you got?
2: Yeah, I know we get we said that as a curveball, I kind of think of it maybe as a cop out probably because <laughs> I I do think that the places to watch this season, the places of most they'll have the most impact on how the Vikings do will be in the trenches along the lines of what Lindsey was saying. So I took the other side of things and said the offensive line as a whole and the reason I had a hard time picking one person is because there has been so much fluidity there recently uh, with Riley Reef gone and the free agency uh, there's a lot of new names with the first round draft pick Christian Derrissaw. Will he be the starting left tackle? Wyatt Davis in the third round, will he be a starting guard? It, you imagine he'll be a right guard considering they're not going to put you know two rookies there on the outside. But it, it's going to be so interesting to see how they build that chemistry during training camp with guys like Garrett Bradbury, uh, Dakota Dozier, Brian O'Neill. I mean, five of those guys that could potentially be starters have been drafted in the last four seasons. So it's going to be a lot of youth, but, and was sprinkled in with a little bit of experience. So chemistry will be key. And after last season's 39 sacks, they allowed, it'd be nice to see that number go way down. So for me, the offensive line will be the ticket to see how this will run all through Kirk and obviously all of his weapons. So they've got to do their jobs. And, and yeah, that's who I'm really hoping steps up this season.
1: Yeah, it's going to be crazy for the offensive line, especially when a Riley Reef, who has been here forever, a team captain, um, the veteran of this group. You mentioned, Tatum, that all these players have been drafted in the past four or so years. Now you have a rookie who's going to step in at that spot that Riley Reef leaves behind. That could either go really well or it could go the other way. I think the Vikings coaches like what they see from Christian Darasaw so far. Um, obviously, you have a Brian O'Neill as well um, with, a, with a looming contract decision coming up, so I'm sure he'll want to have um, quite the year. But uh, what have you seen from these guys so far? Like seeing, seeing the offensive line from afar last year and then seeing all the players that were added um, in the draft, a lot of young players, what, what do you think uh, just overall for this group coming into this season?
2: I mean, I think part of it is like you're not the fifth. You don't have the fifth best rushing game in the league with a no good offensive line. You know, like there there is a lot of potential there. And I think the amount of depth that you can continue to build is super important throughout the year. Obviously, we saw that last year with a lot of injuries, um, a lot of there are five different starting combinations, Uh, Throughout the season. So it would be great to see some consistency so that they can build that bond, be able to give Kirk more time. We know that sometimes Kirk cousins holds the ball a little bit too long, buy a little extra time, make sure that, that they hold up their end of the deal, I guess you could say. So to answer your question, though, like I do think that this could be a really solid group. And from what I've seen at camp, it's just it's really hard to tell so early on for me personally, because I haven't really seen too much team team drills, I guess you could say, especially with the, without the pads on. It's really, really hard to tell. So I'm, I'm looking forward to training to, to kind of see that chemistry start for me, especially when we hit those joint practices against the Broncos.
1: Absolutely. Well, I love it. You are as new as you are with this organization to pick the offensive line. That's exactly what the fan base would want to hear. So you nailed it. <laughs> I'm, you just try, I'm
2: just trying to make friends. <laughs> no, I'm
1: kidding. You, absolutely, you <laughs> absolutely nailed that one. I'm going to Brian Rogers, one of the producers of this show. He makes his debut. I figured with all everybody out that we had to have Biraj on to give his take on who he's looking at um, at Vikings training camp. So who's your pick, Biraj?
4: Yes, yes, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, say a few things on this here podcast that I've been involved with for a year now. But uh, <laughs> the player I'm looking at most, I'm staying on the offensive side of the ball, and I'm going with BC Johnson. Uh, so a lot of Vikings Twitter has been clamoring for for who's going to be the wide wide receiver three spot. You know, is it going to bring in some veteran like Larry Fitzgerald? Bring him home or go out and sign this guy or sign that guy. And I'm sitting here acting like, okay, has everybody forgot that BC Johnson is a, a young and up and coming receiver, like every chance that he's gotten to play, he's proved to be a solid option. You know, I look back to the week 12 game against Carolina last year where he had seven receptions on seven targets. So he caught everything that was thrown to him and he got 74 yards um, as a total for the entire game. And with a very important two point conversion which brought us within three points, uh, and then we ended up winning that game on the next drive. But on the second-to-last drive of that game where he got that two-point conversion, he had three receptions for 40 yards. So if he's given the opportunity, he's shown that he can produce, but he's kind of been overshadowed by Diggs and Thielen, his his rookie year in 2019, and then last year the breakout of Justin Jefferson kind of hindered some of his opportunities. In addition to the uptick usage of tight ends in the passing game, I feel like that is kind of – hindered his lack of opportunities a little bit so I'm hoping that he kind of balls out in the preseason and training camp and he earns himself that that wide receiver three spot behind Thielen and Jefferson
1: that's a really good pick Buraj because I don't know if you remember but last training camp everybody was like BC Johnson BC Johnson he was he was killing it like him and Kirk had a connection Uh, people kind of forgot about Justin Jefferson for a little bit which was absolutely foolish um but yeah that it's a really good pick because of what bc johnson was able to do during training camp last year obviously his role has been up and down with all the stars on this offense but um i really like that one i'm, I'm bringing it all together for you guys I'm. i heard what tatum had to say about the offensive line i hear you be raj on wide receiver three i'm going with kirk cousins i think kirk cousins has everything and anything to prove this year the vikings obviously drafted. Uh, a quarterback for the first time in a very long time with one of their uh, first couple picks in the draft. Obviously, they've made a few selections at quarterback, a uh, Nate Stanley uh, later on in the draft two years ago. But for them to draft a guy like Kellen Mond, that means Kirk Cousins, this is his year. I mean, he, he's thrown for over 4,000 passing yards, five of the last six years, um, threw for 4,200 yards last year. Had a really good season um, with 35 touchdowns. Obviously, that's a tribute, uh, a big time tribute to what Justin Jefferson was able to do. But those 13 interceptions last year, they were not not uh, welcomed by the Vikings defense, which I which clearly sh- uh, struggled with a lot of players missing. Um, I think he's got to take care of the ball. I think a lot of this will fall into place um, with Tatum's take on the on the offensive line kind of coming together. But Tatum, what do you think about my Kirk Cousins pick?
2: Honestly, Chris, I was going to pick them before I was going to pick the O-line because I do think that this has got to be Kirk Sear. He's got to take control of this team, prove that he can build off of, you know, the playoff win from two seasons ago because obviously they didn't make the playoffs last year. And so he's a big money quarterback and he's going to start need to start playing like one, I, I think. And I but but I do think that he's got a lot of weapons. On either side of him, I think Herb Smith will play a big uh, and either entire Conklin will play a big part in this offensive scheme under first year coordinator Clint Kubiak. And so it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how things unfold with my point of the offensive line and obviously the wide receiver battle. And and hopefully that plays well into Kirk Cousins hands, because, you know, this could be a huge year for this team. It just feels like all of the pieces are there. They just have to come together.
3: And too, just with the the defensive side of the ball, I know we only talked about the one defensive player, but hopefully with all the pieces that you guys talked about on offense, you know, my hope is also that if the defense takes a big step forward this season, you know, you're getting the ball back into Kirk's hands. You're giving the offensive line, the receivers, the running backs, more opportunities. And so I think to Tatum's point, having it all come together is, you know, what we're, what we're really looking for. And I think the potential is absolutely there.
1: I agree. Uh, 8.3 yards per play last year for Kirk Cousins. That was the highest per play in his four years with the Vikings. So I think that wide receiver, that LSU guy that you're pretty familiar with, Tatum, had a little bit to do with that, um, breaking breaking tackles and doing the gritty into the end zone. I think he might have had a little bit to do with that stat, but I, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm so excited for the Vikings offense. I can't wait to see what Dalvin Cook's going to do this year. Um, Having all the motivation in the world um, with some of the injuries and and personal things he battled off the field last year. So as a whole for the Vikings offense, I'll throw this at you, Lindsay. What are you expecting um, for this Vikings offense this year compared to last year?
3: I think the thing that I'm really excited about is, you know, we did, there are some, some, key pieces that um are not here this year with riley reef with kyle rudolph but there's a lot of carryover from last season which i think is going to be really significant um and i'm expecting you know just as big if not bigger of a year from justin jefferson and i know maybe that's a little bit of a hot take just in the sense that other defenses are going to be really keyed into him um but you know i think he is confident i think he's just continuing to get better he had an off season this year that wasn't virtual that can only help him um with a healthy a healthy Delvin Cook um, and hopefully like we talked about a kind of a new look offensive line. I'm super excited to see what can happen and I think the offense can take another step forward after having a pretty good year last year.
1: I guess we've covered every position on the offense and Tatum you mentioned uh, what you're expecting for the tight end position which is clearly uh, very different than it's been in years past with number 82 uh, going to New York. So what are you expecting out of the combo of Irv Smith Jr. and Tyler Conklin at the tight end position.
2: Yeah, I think Brian touched on it a little bit. So many teams are using their tight ends as wide receiver number threes in in, in a way, in a sense. And so I think that there's a potential for Irv Smith to really, I think, be a breakout star this year. He, um, he has the hands, he has the talent, he has the speed. I'm ready to see that tandem because obviously it's good when you are blocking for a guy like Dalvin Cook, you you might get a little gas sometimes, especially if you're going down, down the field once he hits the second, yeah. second level. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that there, it's a, I think it's a great transition to have these two guys fill the shoes of Kyle Rudolph, let them be in a battle competition only breeds quality. And so I, I think that could be a really good thing having the the tandem there. And honestly, like I said, I, I think that Irv's going to be my breakout guy to watch this year.
1: I love to hear that. Well, thank you guys. I I'm super excited. Can't wait for Vikings training camp and someone else who's very excited for Vikings training camp is the man we're about to introduce. It's Vikings sideline reporter Greg Coleman, obviously a longtime punter for this very organization. So let's go to that interview and let Greg Coleman take it away. This week's guest on the Minnesota Vikings podcast, it's none other than the sideline analyst and obviously the former Vikings punter, Greg Coleman, who recently got off the golf course. I I know you had a tough day out there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know I missed a couple of birdie putts, but uh, you know all in all, you know the game is slowly coming around, slowly coming around. I
1: love to hear it. Well, obviously we're having you on the show because of the honor that you just received, and that's being inducted into the Black College Football Hall of Fame. What is the feeling like, and and just talk about uh, your experience there? And I know you were uh, among many others, and it had to be the experience of a lifetime.
0: Chris, I got to tell you um aside knowing that uh you know marrying my wife and seeing the birth of my children uh i can't think of anything that i kind of put me in a place of number one excitement but humility as well uh to think that someone thought enough of you that something that you may have done uh warranted this great honor uh being in a being in a fraternity of men like uh, Doug Williams, Jerry Rice, Walter Payton, Michael Strahan, uh, Mel Blunt, uh, the late Ken Riley, the list goes great, the, the, you know, Bob Hayes. The list goes on and on and on of, of great, not only football players, but great men who attended HBCU schools. And, and, and I got to tell you that attending HBCU schools for some was not a choice. It was, a, it was an alternative. It was the only alternative that a lot of us had, uh, because I, too, wanted to be, uh, you know, go to one of the major colleges. And uh, here in the state of Florida, I had a coach tell me, Greg, we just got our alumni and staff ready to accept the fact that we're going to have a black quarterback, I damn sure can't have a black ticket. Wow. So, you know, you got to remember during the, the time that I grew up was the time of integration. And uh, uh, unrest, very similar to what we're facing now. But but kids don't have to face those walls and uh, windows and doors being closed in their faces like we did many, many years ago. And thank God for that.
2: But Greg, the reason for that is because of people like you. And I know during the ceremony, Doug Williams called you a trailblazer. What is it like to hear someone who's also made such a mark on this game say that about yourself?
0: Well, it's so interesting that you know Tatum that you mentioned Doug because my last year was in Washington, and and Doug and I being uh two of the dinosaurs on that team as well, <laughs> we would both kind of sit in the uh, you know he was in one hot tub or one cold tub and I was in the other and we would just talk about the things that we had experienced during our years in the National Football League, things that the changes that we saw and even not even having a glimpse or a glimmer many, many years later that he would be a catalyst in creating such a great institution. Uh, but that term trailblazer, I don't apply it to me. I, I apply it to, to men who really broke the color barrier in the National Football League. Men, uh, you know, I, I was, let's, let's, let's get this straight. I was not the first African-American man to put his black foot on a brown ball. There were men who came before me who did that, who bridged that gap, but they were forced to play other positions. Yeah. Wow. They tried to do that to me because of my athletic ability. When I was drafted by Cincinnati, playing wide receiver, trying out wide receiver, defensive back, and then having to go out and compete against the other guys, other punters and kickers who had been sitting around all day. I know what Horace Gillum went through. I know what Marlon Briscoe went through. I know what Dave Lewis went through. I know what Dave Mays went through. Those are men who punted in the league before I got there, but I was determined that I was not going to let someone else's thought shape my dream because I said when I was in high school that I wanted to be a punter. I wanted to be a kicking specialist in the National Football League. Yes. Did I have the physical ability to play other positions? Yes, I did. But I chose not to do it because it was one Sunday afternoon. I saw this guy from the Baltimore coach. It was muddy, rainy, bloody, and everybody had on dirty uniforms. The punter walked out on the field in his clean white uniform and said, clean, (laughs) and kicked the ball and walked back to the bench with his clean white uniform. And at a very young age, I said, that's what I want to do. And that's what I want to be. I love that. (laughs) Uh... But Trailblazer, man, that... That's 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 a term that I hold in high esteem, but all of the adjectives that were used to describe my career, uh, it humbles you. It really does.
3: So, Greg, I love that you're talking about how you had your sights set on this goal so early in life. Can you just kind of share a little bit more about what age that was for you? Um, and did you, you know, what kind of support did you have from an early age at wanting to follow those dreams?
0: Well, um, you know, I, I did a little podcast on the power of words last week and talked about, told that, you know, those business owners and and people seeking to, to take their life to the next level. Words are so valuable. And at a very young age, when I started kicking pop cans over the fence and then when I got a football kicking it over the electric wires out in front of the house and then all the houses, but to hear the people in the neighborhood say, God dang, they use a few other adjectives that describe, man, I've never seen anybody kick a ball over a house like that. And those words fed my spirit. And, and when I was in sixth grade, I had a very dear friend of mine. We, we, we attend the same church down here, Potter's house, uh, Christian fellowship down here in, in, in Florida. Uh, a brother by the name of Gus Williams. Now, both of us were in the sixth grade, but Gus saw something in me. And after practice, we would go to my house and we would practice. We even built a goalpost in my yard. And Gus would call me Gopher. And I don't know why he called me Gopher, but that's what he did. He called me Gopher. Gopher, you can do this, man. You can hit this one. You can punt. You can kick, man. You can do this. Those words from another one of my peers. We finished high school together. You know, we talk about it so many times, how his words encourage me, the words of others, the words from people in the neighborhood, the words from my parents, the word from coaches and teachers, and, and so many others I took to heart because I love to hear those words describing me and my performance. So I worked even harder not to disappoint those people who had faith and belief in my ability. So I had a support system that was out of this world. But Lindsay, one of the most amazing things was being exposed to the other side of the track, Mm -hmm. to seeing how others live. You know, I ran track and I got an opportunity to go to other cities and see how other kids live, see what was possible. That's why, I mean, if, if you can expose a young person to the possibilities, you know, his mind is, I mean, the possibilities are, endless because once he gets a glimpse of what's possible, man, and, and that's what it was for me. So I started at a very young age and found out that a lot of kids in my neighborhood didn't want to kick. They wanted to play other positions. Well, I was smart enough not to get hurt, not to get beat up, not to get bloody. So I would kick for both teams. Okay. So who is the smartest one in the group? <laughs> Sounds like you. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you, you were drafted by Cincinnati and the Bengals. You didn't end up playing there. Then you go over to Cleveland and you play, I think it was about 14 games with the Browns. What made you stick with the Vikings for 10 or so years? What, why was that the team that you stuck with? And what was it about the franchise that really, it,
0: it, it, was, it was like home to you? Bud Grant was such an evaluator of talent. It wasn't one size fit all. The way that he had treated, where he treated Ahmad Rashad was different than the way he treated Sammy White. The way he treated Jim Marshall was different than he, than he treated another defensive player. The way he treated Fran Tarklin was different than he treated Tommy Kramer. And once Bud saw, well, number one, I had to create an opportunity. Yeah. Because, you know, back then they could stash you for three or four days and I would kick and Bud would go in. I said, golly. And I tried, tried <laughs> out with four, four or five other teams and nobody wanted to make a, a decision. Yep. So I said, I had to create an opportunity. Uh, so one day at practice, while they were at one end at Old Met Stadium, I went to the other, put a garbage can on the, on the goal line, five and ten, and I grab a bag of balls and I went to the 50 and I started kicking balls in the can. And I can remember some of the players stopped practicing, and, and Ahmad and Ricky Young and Bobby Bryan and, and some of the other vets turned around, and they were describing. Uh, I can't. I can't say what they were saying, but <laughs> it, it was. It, it, there were words that were used to embellish my talent and say, "God bless it, man. We've never seen anybody kick a ball like that." So after practice, butt goes in, and then. I said, here we go again. So we come out for Saturday practice, and Bud comes up to me, and he says, oh, by the way, um, you're going to punt against the Green Bay Packers tomorrow, so go get a wow. contract worked out with Mike Lynn. And he said, can you do that when you, when you want to? I said, Bud, all I need is an opportunity. And, that, you know, in, in the rest <laughs> was history.
4: Yeah.
0: He told me, and, and it was like my, my special teams coach, my kicking coach at Florida A&M, Pop Kittles. I was in practice one day and I was just booming him right down the middle of the field. And Pop said, well, baby, why are you kicking it right to him? <laughs> I said, well, hell, Pop, that's where he's standing. He said, well, make him work for his lunch too. Don't you do all the hard work. Make him work for it. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, kick it where he ain't. Kick it to the right. Kick it to the left. He said, baby, if you do it consistently, they'll find a place for you at the next level. In words, again, I was stupid enough to believe what Pop Kittles told me. And I kicked it to the right and I kicked it to the left. If I ever wanted to get on the bad side of Bud Grant, kick the ball down the middle of the field. So my forte (laughs) was kicking it to the right and kicking it to the left. And and to hear Howard Cosell on a Monday night game, (laughs) I don't know who Coffin was, but when he described there. I was going to bring up the nickname. You knew right? it. I was those- <laughs> Out of Florida A&M University, kicking it to the Coleman Coffin Corner. And, and, and those words were just, I mean, they were just amazing because he labeled you that. And, and when Howard labeled you a nickname, that's I mean, it. that was it. So <laughs> that's all I knew, man. That's all I knew was kicking it to the corners. Kick it where they ain't.
2: And as a result, you had a long career, not only here in Minnesota, but in, in the NFL, and had laid you, led you beyond and into the broadcasting sector of it all, still with the Vikings, I'm sure that you had something, you had a plan for yourself after you left playing. But did you expect to be in as a sideline reporter for radio on the field, you know, post-career?
0: I I knew that that was one of the things that I wanted to do. There were several things that I wanted to do, but what gave me a glimpse of reality is when I did not make it after being drafted by Cincinnati, because of uh, the education that I got at Florida and Am, I graduated in three and a half years. Uh, I taught school, I taught high school history, but I still had a yearning in a, in, in a in a niche for broadcasting, for the microphone because in high school in our basketball games i would be the announcer you know the for for our high school basketball games and you know at AM i did some stuff uh, did some of the same things that, so i tried to polish my craft uh, by doing some internships uh, down at cco i went to brown institute uh, for a couple of semesters so i knew that i had to prepare because i always remembered that preparation meets opportunity you're going to have success. So I knew that I had to be prepared. Now, the path that I took to the Viking sideline uh, was one that was not one that um, that I wanted to do right away because I thought I could still play. I mean, if Mike, listen, if Zimmer called me today and said, hey, can you give us 35 yards out of bounds? You darn skippy?" I'll put on that uniform right now. My <laughs> wife would tell me to get your old behind out of the way before somebody kills you. Well, I've been 22 years on the sideline, and I don't think I've been hit yet. So you keep <laughs> your head on a swivel. But I've always had an interest and a love for the game. I always observed things that were not so common to the naked eye. And, and, and that intrigued me. And when I got the opportunity to be a sideline analyst, sideline correspondent, whatever you want to call it, uh, and we have a great team, man. The, the bunch that we have now is, I think we're the, we're the best in the league with, with Paul Allen on lead vocals and Pete and Ben Lieber coming to the team, you know, several years ago added a fresh, a freshness and a new dimension. I, I just love what we do. I love what we have. And, uh, it's, it's the cat's meow guys. I'm just going to tell you, it's the cat's meow. And I think this year is going to be one heck of a year. We got the defense back together. We got cookie healthy. Uh, we put in Zim has made some great moves through free agency. You know, guys, I would say I can't wait until training camp, but I can wait till training camp because, you know, I got a lot of tea times to, to, to get done before, uh, before the end of July.
3: Greg, you mentioned uh, uh, Coach Zimmer. um, And, you know, I think it's just great that you got to play for Bud Grant. um, And now you work with with Coach Zimmer kind of in a different capacity. And, you know, they may have coached football decades apart from each other, but I do think most would agree there are a few similarities between the two. Um, What is it like to be one of the first people to get a one on one with Coach Zimmer coming off the field after a game?
0: Well, when we win, it's great. (laughs) when when we don't win i gotta tell you i gotta be on my p's and q's because i get it i understand the emotion and to catch the raw the raw emotion just coming off the field whether it's a win or loss and even in a win it could be tough because we may have lost a key player uh, an an injury we may have gotten some bad news about a, a player's family or 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 anything like that. So the range of emotion goes from top to bottom, but the similarities are the same. You're paid to win football games. Bud Grant told me that a long time ago. He said, I can get anybody off the street to play football, to put on the purple uniform, but we're paid to win football games. and And when we don't win, changes are going to be made. So in terms of similarities, they both are strictlers for detail. I watch him during the course of practice, during training camp, the the minute details where he'll stay after with a defensive back and say, "Hey, no, you got to open up at forty five degree angle this way." Little things, and once that player grasped and believe in the technique that Mike Zimmer has preached for weeks and weeks and months and months and months, you can see that player elevate. You can see his play go to the top because he's confident. And what Mike Zimmer has told him, some guys get it right away and some guys it takes a little while, but when you get it, you see a difference with like nobody's business and and those are the little things that, that I love about Zimmer. Let me, let me share this one quick story. When we hired Zimmer, I go to introduce myself, I say coach, my name is, and before I could say it, he said, Greg, I know who you are. Wow. I've watched, I've looked at all of these pictures on the wall. He said, you guys, you legends are the foundation of this organization. He said, and I don't know what happened with previous administrations, but you let your guys know that this is their home. The door is always open to them. They can come to practice whenever they want to. And I know that, you know, the organization is working on some other things, but you guys are welcome here. That has not always been the case. And and before I can introduce myself, he already knows my name. He knows who I am. Man, can you imagine what that meant to me, to my comrades, and when they come to practice and Mike Zimmer calls their name, welcoming them to – I mean, it's unbelievable. And he'll use some former players to come and share some stories with his current team. It is is unbelievable. I am so fortunate to get an opportunity to, to share some things with our rookies. And I don't take it for granted. But sometimes those of us who are long in the tooth, some of us dinosaurs can share some things, some potholes that they don't have to step in because we've been there. We know where the potholes are. And that's one thing that I can really appreciate about Mike Zimmer.
3: I love that.
1: Anyone who knows you, Greg, they know that you're a man of faith. They know that you take it upon yourself to create relationships with a lot of the players on the team. And one thing that always stood out to me is seeing what you do after the game. When the game's over, you're in a huddle, kneeled down in prayer with players, not only from the Vikings, but players with the opponent as well. So can you just tell the fans like how that started, how you started doing that, how you became such a prominent part of that and what that uh, means to you following each and every game?
0: Well, it didn't start after my career, you know, um, we had a great fellowship during my tenure as a player. Uh, and and I was one of the leaders uh, of our of our Bible study and our chapel group. And uh, our current chaplain, Tom lamphere is not always on the field after the games. So uh, in assisting him, not only doing chapel, but during the weeks when our players and coaches and people in the organization are struggling with some things and they need an ear, um, I, I just thank God that I'm in a position that he's placed me in to be at the right place at the right time, to share a prayer, to share a word of encouragement, a shoulder to lean on, an ear to listen, because I don't care how big a player is, he can be all pro, Hall of Famer, man, when you cut him, he bleeds. We all bleed. We all have issues in life. Where we, where, where we need an encouraging word. We may have different fates, which a lot of our players do, and I respect those different faiths. Yep. Yeah. But I can only say what, what has brought me through many, many years of ups and downs. And, and I, can, <laughs> I, I can remember uh, in the locker room before games, uh, before we go out doing our pregame talk and Jerry Burns, the late great Jerry Birds, and he's in and he's dropping F-bombs and all this stuff and, and saying what we can do, and we're going to kick these, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do it. And after he gets through Rent and Raven and all the F-bombs and all that kind of stuff, you say, like, okay, Touch, uh, come on and lead us into the Lord's Prayer. I said, yeah, you need to after all of that. <laughs> I love that. I love that. But I get the opportunity to, to, to share a, a word of faith. Uh, whether it's with our team during chapel or the opposing team uh, coming in town, that's really one of the special things that I get a chance to do being with this organization. And Tom Lanphier does a great job. I mean, we have chaplains, uh, great men from all across the country. Uh, You know, Tony Dungy, Marvin Winans, when we go to Detroit, Uh, Tony Evans, uh, you know, Dr. Tony Evans, when we go to Detroit, I mean, when we go to Dallas. So we've, we have great men of faith who have spoken into the lives of our men for years and years and years in, and, in and game, win, lose, or draw. And I tell our men, God really doesn't care whether you win or lose. It's what you do with the platform that he gives you. And we, we encourage our men with hope and faith and belief, you know, because, you know, hope is a gasoline that fuels your faith. And I keep this little, uh, this little mustard seed, uh, Matthew 17 20 says if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed you can move wow. mountains because we all have mountains in our life so you got to keep trusting keep hoping and keep believing
2: yeah such a great message uh, especially to be shared together as both teams gather I think that's Pretty cool. Uh, Greg, you mentioned a little bit ago about this excitement you have for this team in particular with all of the moves this offseason. Uh, you know, the players are coming back now with health, hopefully not as many injuries, things of that nature. So as training camp begins in July and a bit, is there a player that you're watching to have either a breakout season or one player in particular you're most excited to see?
0: Man, I'm, I'm interested to see what Peterson brings to this secondary with, with his experience uh, with Harrison Smith back there uh, with some of our young corners who were baptized last year, but more than any particular player, I've watched Dalvin cook mature as a leader through deed and through words. Here's, here's my take on this team. Last year, it could have went pear shaped. Very easy with the pandemic, and younger players coming in—they're just making it to the National Football League. Man, I want to get out on the town. I want to go to a restaurant. I want to go to a concert. I want to do this. I want to go do that. But the leadership on this team kept these guys together, and the togetherness and the bond that they built through COVID and through all of the the, the different odds and ends and the testing and all of that stuff. Because all it took was one player to go out and bring that that virus back to the organization. Mm -hmm. It was a miracle. It was a miracle that we finished the season. So number one, I'm I'm looking for that togetherness. Because if you look at any championship team, they always talk about chemistry. They always talk about the ball bouncing their way. This team is a close-knit team. They not only like each other. They love each other. When you get a bunch of men that love each other, they stay healthy. You got Daniil back. You got Pierce back in the middle. We bring in Sheldon Richardson back. Hell, baby, I can't wait until this thing <laughs> kicks off. You know, you talk about the pregame preach. We're going to be locked and loaded because I'm ready. I am ready.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I love that excitement.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, there's no better way to end this, this uh, interview with that. that. Uh, Greg Coleman is ready to go. He's just received one of the most prestigious honors in the Black College Football Hall of Fame. So congrats to you on that. And I cannot wait to see you out um, at Vikings training camp at the TCO Performance Center.
0: Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it, guys. Lindsey, (laughs) Tato, Brian. Guys, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time.
1: All right, guys. I don't know about you. I have the goosebumps every time I hear that guy speak. He is one of the most inspiring, motivational speakers of all time. So I have to throw it to you, Tatum, because I think that was your first time speaking to the one and only Greg Coleman. So what are your initial takeaways from that conversation?
2: Yeah, no, I feel like I walked away with a whole anthology of life lessons from just his anecdotes that he shared about growing up and um, how the power of words. And, you know, I think the most impressive thing for me is he could have chosen to listen to those people he could have chosen to not follow his passion of kicking and become a skilled player, which everyone, you know, most kids usually want to be skilled players. They want to get out there and be the flashy guy that scores all the touchdowns. And Greg was like, ah, I'm good. I'm really good at this and I'm going to stick to it. And so I think that's a really great message for, you know, not just athletes, but all of us to listen to and hear because, you know we all should be able to be that free and follow our passions and not listen to negativity and things like that so um no i thought he was fantastic um what a huge honor it is to be in the black college football hall of fame um and no no doubt one of many honors he will be you know bestowed from now until whenever because i have a feeling he is going to make it into a couple other hall of fames so
1: yeah, my biggest uh takeaway from that conversation was exactly what you're talking about, Tatum. When he was like, Yeah, they wanted me to play wide receiver. I was a track star in college, but I I saw that that punter and I didn't want to get my my jersey dirty. <laughs> I yeah. mean, that is such a unique take from a unique person. And Lindsay, you've been talking to Greg. I, I know you have an article on Vikings.com kind of recapping his experience, uh, being inducted into that uh black college football hall of fame, which is quite <laughs> quite the experience for anybody. So what were your overall uh, takeaways from just being a part of another great conversation with Greg Coleman?
3: Yeah. Like you said, not my first time chatting with Greg, but I, every time I listen to him or chat with him, I feel like I could just talk with him all day because he always has like new or different little nuggets or of life advice, like Tatum said. Um, And the thing I love about Greg is just how authentically himself he is, even in the stories that we're talking about And he was like, No, like I wanted to be a kick. Like, why wouldn't I want to be the punter and not like get hurt and banged up and dirty and all those kinds of things. I love that he is just totally real and himself um, and the things that he talks about, whether it's his faith or having relationships with other people, caring about other people that he like really lives those out. And so um, I love that our fans get to hear from him and just want them to know, you know, that's who he is. And we're lucky to have him as part of the organization.
1: Yeah. And I think fans who hear him on Sundays and they hear him on the sidelines. They might think that like his, his little motivational speed, like, like it's an act like, no, that's him. Like he's it's, not putting, that's literally who he is. As it's a exactly
3: him. Like hallway conversation. I don't know, Chris, golf course conversation. Like it's the same every time. And I love it.
1: Biraj, what were your impressions being on here for that conversation?
4: I mean, even before I started working for the Vikings, I would listen to the pregame preach before the boom of Greg Coleman, and it would always get me fired up. I always think back to the twenty seventeen season. I religiously would listen to the pregame preach before I watched the game on TV, and it would always get me fired up. So once I finally got to meet Greg Coleman, I saw that that's like we were just saying—that's exactly who he is. Like in real life, that's not an act or anything. It was just. It was super awesome to see. I've gotten to know him a little bit over the past few years working with him, and he's he's just the best. So just just another great conversation with the great Greg Coleman.
1: One thing that Greg mentioned was Zimmer as a head coach and being able to bring legends back into the building, making them feel welcome, um, educating himself, knowing who these Vikings legends are. Well, Lindsay, you just put together a story on Vikings.com on this year's Ring of Honor inductee, which will be happening later on in the season. That's Kevin Williams, um, a half a member of the Williams wall in the middle of this Vikings defense. So um, why don't you tell us about that experience, being there when Kevin was honored by the team. Um, He got the message from the Wilfs at the TCO Performance Center, and you put together a, a pretty cool article based on, I think it was his number choice when he first joined the Vikings organization.
3: Yeah, so as someone like me who, you know, born and raised Minnesota and watched the Vikings, definitely loved watching the Williams Wall um, and seeing them succeed on the field to now kind of be in this different capacity and see Kevin um, be announced as this year's Ring of Honor inductee is super exciting. Um, and I think we all know, like with the pandemic and with everything that's been going on, it's been awesome to see little pieces of things start to, you know, go back into normalcy. And so to be able to have um, Kevin out here to Twin Cities Orthopedics Performance Center to have him get that surprise was really, really awesome. And I had the privilege of um, going over to the Minnesota Vikings Museum with him and sort of just kind of taking in his his tour. Um, Jessica Fauché gave him a tour over there and he loved looking at, you know, the Purple People Eaters display and and the Jim Marshall um, column that's in there and just some of these awesome defensive linemen that have come before him. Um, And it was really cool to kind of see things through his eyes, through his perspective, and then just take a seat down with him and chat with him about, his experience that day, about his experience with the Vikings, just sort of what this honor means to him and his family Um, and like you mentioned, you know, he talked about how when he came into the Vikings, obviously when you're you're drafted, you have limited numbers to choose from at the time, he chose number 93, not really realizing in that moment that um, Hall of Famer John Randall or eventual Hall of Famer at that point, John Randall um, had worn 93 before him and he realized that he had big shoes to fill, um, which is the headline of that article, and so it was really cool listening to him. Just sort of that internal pressure that he put on himself because he's a pretty soft-spoken guy. Um, but to reflect yeah, on that this many years after his career was really cool. So yeah, highly encourage people to check that out and just get a little behind-the-scenes glimpse of his day.
1: Tatum, how excited are you uh, just seeing a lot of these legends? Yeah, I mean, you talked to one today. Just, just all the legends around this organization—they are a big part of what happens. Um, with the current team. I'm sure you experienced that um, in your time in Nashville and and obviously being in LSU, uh, covering LSU as well. So just how excited are you to start to meet some of these Vikings legends, hear their stories, and I don't know if anyone can beat Greg Coleman.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the best. Sometimes the best part about these, um, you know, getting to know a team and being somewhere new Is is a learning the traditions, learning the history behind the teams and really the Vikings have, you know, one of the richest histories in the league to come in here, you know, and and to get to know this team and embrace this team is, you know, one of the main reasons I wanted to work for this team, I think. Meeting a guy like Kevin or talking to Greg, like that's that's almost also sometimes why we get into this and why a lot of us have gotten into this broadcasting business or want to work in sports is because we grew up watching guys like Greg and Kevin and and the Vikings greats and and to be able to be surrounded by them and get to know them and hear their stories is what makes life interesting and so I think um, that that's also something you know obviously I'm I'm really excited to know and and visit the museum, like things like that. I can't wait to check off my to-do list.
1: And I, I think that's a perfect way to, to end this episode. I, I I think we covered it all. I think Greg Coleman covered just about everything. I mean, he's got me excited for training camp. I know all of you guys, all of you three are very excited um, to be back out there, be back back on the field, seeing the guys in pads, none of those uh, mini-camp workouts <laughs> that are helmets of, helmets, boom. Like, no, just yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm all about safety. I like the safety aspect of it. So <laughs> I, do. I can't wait to see them hit each other.
1: <laughs> I agree. I, ser- I seriously agree with that. I know the joint practices are something that I'm really looking forward to when the Vikings will obviously practice against the Denver Broncos with many familiar faces uh, coming to the TCO Performance Center um, for a few days. So um, we are very much looking forward to training camp at the TCO Performance Center when it kicks off on July 28th. Um, Those open practices kick off for you, the fans. So I would go right now to vikings.com. Go get some tickets. Most of them are free, so go check those out. And also check out vikings.com, the Vikings social media platforms, all of the articles and videos on all of our digital platforms, especially a member of the Vikings organization, Craig Peters, he recently wrote a long form article on the winding long career of the longtime Viking scout Conrad Cardano, um, who recently retired from his position in the front office. How many years was it, Lindsay? I think like 30.
3: Yeah, it was like 30 plus years. So I think it was maybe a couple over 30, but yeah, long, long time in the organization has great stories, not only about the team, but how things have changed over the years, as far as the scouting process goes. So it was really an interesting story to me. And I think it would be for other Vikings fans as well.
1: Go check that out on vikings.com. It's called reels and the road, um, the story of a Longtime Viking scout. So thank you guys again. I appreciate the amazing reinforcements of Tatum Everett, Lindsay Young, and of course- More like it. <laughs> that's, that's right. You got me, Tatum. <laughs> and obviously, Brian Rogers, one of the main producers behind the Minnesota Vikings podcast. We are very excited to take a long and needed week off uh, for July 4th. So we will see you the week after that with episode number 103 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. We will see you in a few weeks.